Hello, Shepherd family. This is Pastor Alan Rose now. This weekend, we are observing Pentecost Sunday, one of the major festivals of the Christian church year. Pentecost, of course, is that event where God poured out His Holy Spirit upon the believers in a powerful and dramatic fashion, as we read about it in the book of Acts in chapter 2. But Pentecost actually goes back a lot further in history. It goes all the way back to the time of Moses and the giving of the law to Moses and the Israelites at Mount Sinai. Pentecost was the one of those major festivals of the Israelite people that way they were to observe every year. It was celebrated 50 days after the Sabbath of Passover week. So the Sunday, the first day of the week, the 50th day. Pentecost actually means 50th. It was also known as the Feast of Weeks, and it was a celebration of the barley harvest and a way to give thanks to God for His provision of barley. This was a major annual Jewish festival, continuing, of course, in the days of the first century, the time of Acts chapter 2, when the Pentecost event recorded for us uh, takes place. When we read the story in Acts chapter 2, we see that there are numerous Jewish pilgrim, pilgrims who have made a pilgrimage, if you will, to the city of Jerusalem for this annual festival of Pentecost. Consequently, because they had come from many different countries, they spoke many different languages. And that sets the scene for the story that we read in Acts chapter 2. Luke is the one who tells us the story. He writes, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. So you get the picture here. The believers were all together in a room, and suddenly this loud sound like the roaring of a rushing wind takes place, and it must have gotten the attention of all of those pilgrims in town because they came running to see what this was all about. The believers in the room had tongues of fire appear on their heads, were told they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began declaring the wonders of God 
And this message was heard in the people's native languages. What an amazing event. The people were amazed and, frankly, rather confused. So Peter then steps up and he begins to explain what this phenomenon was all about. Among other things, he explains that this was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel from the Old Testament days, who said that this was going to happen in the latter days. Joel's words finish with these words, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter then goes on and begins to expound the full meaning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He explains that Jesus died and rose again and offers salvation to all who believe. And listen to how the many of the people then respond to the words of Peter. The story continues. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It was a remarkable event. And Pentecost has sometimes been called the birthday of the Christian church. But today I want us to see this story from another angle. In fact, I want you to see that this event also has implications for not only the Christian church, but for all of humankind, because it actually addresses a very ancient problem. And so we go back to a story from the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the story of the Tower of Babel, found in Genesis chapter 11. Now, this event actually takes place about 100 years after the Great Flood, you know, Noah's Flood. Scholars estimate that by this time, 100 years after the Flood, the descendants of Noah numbered around 30,000 people. The first population of people, of course, had been wiped out by the Flood, and now the world was beginning to be repopulated, and the population was about 30,000. You may recall that God had instructed Noah and his sons to be fruitful, to increase in number, and to fill the earth. That was God's instruction. Well, in Genesis chapter 11, we come to this story of the Tower of Babel. At this time, the whole world spoke one common language and they had a common speech or dialect. Well, the people of the world at that time began to head eastward, and they settled in what was called the land of Shinar, or later Babylonia. Now, here is where the problems begin. Listen to the story from Genesis 11. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. 
This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. Couldn't you just see in that story the sinful attitudes and behaviors of the people of Babel? First of all, they basically said, hey, building this tower will make us famous. They were just involved in this arrogant pursuit of fame through this tower of self-glory. And then they say basically, you know what? Building this tower will keep us from being scattered all over the world. Keep in mind what God had instructed Noah's sons and, and daughters to do. They were to be fruitful and fill the earth. That was God's command. But by these people saying, this will prevent us from being scattered all over the world, they were acting in direct defiance of God's clear instruction to people. And so, what does the Lord do? It tells us that the Lord confused their languages and scattered them around the world. Frankly, it's why we have so many languages in the world today. But I want you to notice something about this story. It says that Yahweh, the Lord, does all of this. Whenever you see the word Lord all in capital letters in your English Bible, the Hebrew name behind that word is Yahweh. And Yahweh is the personal covenant name of God in relation to his people. That name expresses this personal covenant relationship of love and grace that he has toward his people. And so it's noteworthy that it's Yahweh who acts here, who confuses their language and scatters them across the world. You see, Yahweh isn't doing something in punishment of his people. He is actually acting out of love to prevent the people from further harm to themselves. This was not punishment. This was love. You know, perhaps you have had an incident where you've wondered why God has not said yes to something that you have requested of him. Have you considered that it may very well not be the best thing for you and God, out of love for you, purposely is not granting that request because he knows what is best for you. It seems that is the same sentiment here that he has toward the people of Babel. You see, God's greatest work, his proper work, is to be gracious and merciful toward people. We need to understand that God is always working for our good, not for our harm. Well, clearly the people of ancient Babel acted out of arrogance, pursuing fame and self-glory, 
Well, you know, as the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes says so many times, there's really nothing new under the sun. What was true back then is true today as well. People today often pursue fame and self-glory rather than desiring to live a life that is dedicated to the glory of God and, and to one's creator and redeemer. And so the world groans as a result of that kind of attitude and those kinds of behaviors. You know, if you think about it, the reality of the confusion of languages today really serves as a constant reminder to us of that basic inclination of the human heart toward arrogance and disobedience. The multiplicity of languages, and there are over 4,000 languages in the world today, that multiplicity of language on earth is, is kind of a monument to human sin. Now, be clear, the problem is not the languages. The problem is sin in the heart and mind of people. Human sin is what has wreaked havoc on the world, resulting in, oh, so much brokenness and dis division and dissension. We need to be praying, for example, for the circumstances in Israel right now that those divisions can cease. Boy, don't we all have uh, a sense of a need of greater unity in the world? We all long for a world that has a greater sense of harmony and peace. And yet, to be honest, not all unity is good unity. I mean, think about the people of Babel. They were united, but they were united around a sinful, disobedient, and defiant effort. And that was not good. And if people unite around an evil cause today, well, the result is always going to be rather tragic. I mean, how many times has the world seen this very thing happen? Adolf Hitler's Nazi regime and the evils of the Holocaust come to mind here. But friends, deep down in the human heart, in what remains of the image of God in us, is a longing for unity. It's what we really want. So how do we experience true unity as God intends it for us? Well, this is where we go back now to the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Pentecost really shows us the path to true unity for all humankind. What did those first believers do when the Holy Spirit came upon them? What did they do? They simply told the beautiful story of Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, ascended, and coming again someday. And you know what happened? People from all different countries, cultures, and languages heard the message. And those who believed became one people in Christ. The Pentecost event essentially began the process of undoing what had happened back at the Tower of Babel. Well, you know, the Lord is gracious and merciful 
and eager to restore people to himself even today as well. Jesus Christ came, died, and rose again for your sins to forgive you and give you the gift of eternal life, to draw as many people as will receive it into the kingdom of God. That is open and available to all. And we are called to be people of the Pentecost, to be people who tell others the story of Jesus' love and to tell it in a way that they can understand in what we might call their heart language, or as the kids like to do, their heart language, right? The language that they speak most intently from the depths of their soul. I wanna encourage you to do a couple of things today. I wanna encourage you to, first of all, be praying for the work of organizations like Lutheran Bible Translators, Wycliffe Bible Translators, and for missionaries who serve in various places around the world. Pray that as they communicate the gospel in a variety of languages, that the hearts of people will be touched and changed by that good news and that they may be brought into the kingdom of God by his grace. And then secondly, and maybe even most importantly, let me encourage you to look for your own everyday opportunities to be a missionary wherever you go. Opportunities to share the message of Jesus with one person who will listen that they might be brought to faith. You know, there is a marvelous picture of heaven given to us in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, in chapter 7. It's given to us by the Apostle John, who describes heaven this way. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Friends, can you just see it? Can you picture it in your mind's eye? Heaven in all of its marvelous diversity brought together in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world? I mean, that's what true unity looks like. And Jesus is the one and only source of true unity between people the kind of unity that, frankly, will last for all eternity. And you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit poured out on Pentecost, you and I can be agents of that kind of unity right here, right now, on this planet, in our own communities, in our own neighborhoods, among our friends, yes, even in our own homes, among our own family members. So let me close with this question to you. With whom might you share the good news of Jesus this week? May the Lord fill each of us with Pentecost power by his Holy Spirit. Amen.